Welcome to the Down and Friend Podcast, the official podcast of downandfriendpodcast.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for joining. We are back. And by we, I mean me, because everybody's still been hanging out in the podcast and I'm almost done with summer semester, but I'll be kind of hanging back and we'll see what we take from there. What we're going to be reviewing is the entire season one of Loki. Um, it's been a show that's been taking everybody by storm. People are super excited. A Wednesday release. Didn't think it could work, but, you know, here we are. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We have the entire crew here tonight. Um, before we get into our future review, what we're going to actually do is kind of get into what we've been watching. So we're going to go back on a bit of a roundtable of what we're watching and what we currently are drinking, because we are a drinking podcast, and that's what we do. So I'm going to toss it over to the love of my life. I, uh, he recently came here and visited me in my dreams. But I'm sure he hates my guts. Blewett, what's going on? What you sipping on tonight? And what else you got going for you? It's true. I did visit you. Uh, book's still out on my feelings. Uh, yeah, so I am drinking nothing too special tonight. Just a strawberry bubbly. Um, it's delicious. Um, went on a little vacation over the weekend. Uh, and so sampled a couple of local breweries. Probably best to skip the beer for uh, this one. Um I will say uh, a shadow. I, I think it was Cathedral Ledge Distillery. Um, I'm not usually a distillery person, but they blew the doors off me. Uh, they had a bunch of like really cool. I've never really had like craft spirits before, uh, and it was a delicious, delicious find. Um, I even bought a bottle to bring back. It was a maple a syrup liqueur. Uh, it just tasted like pancakes. Like, you could put this thing on pancakes like that. You know that anything is possible video from like six years ago where the dude was making recipes, but he just put henny and everything. I yes. felt like that with this thing where it's just like I wanted to make pancakes and just slather it in this stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I guess that'll be my like uh, proxy like alcohol that, you know, because we're degenerates on this thing. Um, as for what I've been watching, uh, because I was away. I didn't really have a ton of time to like watch anything since our last review. Um, the, I will say this where I went, I went up to New Hampshire and everything closes at eight. So I actually did watch some television, but it was like cable TV and I read a lot. Uh, so I watched Friday night Smackdown for the first time ever. I think in my entire life, uh, that was solid. And then I watched a little bit of the Olympics, uh, just cause it was always on. um, I got nothing on the Olympics. Uh, like I, I wouldn't watch anything important. There was nothing cool that I really I saw. It was just like mostly preliminary round for rowing. Um, but I mean, I, I guess shout out to all those athletes. Like that takes a hell of a lot of uh, dedication to get to that place. So, you know, good job. It was like this is the most lackluster Olympics. Um, just like everything that's happening with the fucking COVID and like, why, why, yeah. right, why? Uh, and I saw so many reports about Tokyo could be losing up to uh, upwards of over a billion dollars 
even when they're having it. So I'm like, man, this is, this I mean, most, be. most cities do lose a ton of money from this and it's not, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I was watching something on it. It's not what it once was where like in the 60s, 70s, 80s, if you hosted the Olympics, you got a crazy tourism bump and the last yeah. couple cities just haven't, uh, I, you know, I, I, I support this. So I've heard the, like it either goes to the EU or it goes to America and it just kind of bounces back and forth between like a couple, you know, major, major cities um, just because they have the infrastructure, right? You could, you could drop yeah. the, the Olympics in LA tomorrow and LA, the traffic would get only marginally worse because it's awful to begin with. Um, but they, they have the stadium infrastructure to do this. Uh, the right. other one I heard is that, and I actually really like this is that they should just permanently move it back to Athens. So the Greeks who have no money. So, I mean, that's probably why it will never happen, but the Greeks could (laughs) uh, build the infrastructure out and then it doesn't in a year and a half get abandoned, you know, and that's like the major problem in the ancient like ruins and stuff. Yes. Everyone is naked. (laughs) No, I thought you were going to say ancient traditions. So I said ancient ruins, not traditions. So so Uh, at least, I mean, at least give the fig leaf option. Fig leaves should be mandatory. They and added the fig leaves like 20 years later, or 100 years later. It was <laughs> you can't the win gold with the fig leaf. <laughs> no, it's a bit outside. That's fine. Well, Blue, it, it, as always, it's great to have you on, and it's great to see your beautiful pale face. Uh, I'm going to toss it over to my other best friend who actually did visit me, and it was great to embrace him as a man. Mr. Mocha, what's going on, man? What you sipping on tonight? What else you got going for you? Hey, what up, everybody? Good, so good to be with you all today. I did visit Warren recently. I did embrace him as a man, which was uh, refreshing because usually I embrace embrace people as a as a boy. Um, but this time I, I felt the manliness; it was there. We were nip to nip, deep embrace. It was great. Um, tonight I am drinking water. Actually, technically water. It's more of a sparkling water situation. Spindrift. It's pretty good. It's just seltzer. There's no alcohol in it. And it's like the least flavorful seltzer I've had, but that's kind of actually enjoyable. I feel like it's it doesn't taste saccharine or fake like a lot of other seltzers can. Um, but yeah, so that's what I'm drinking. Nothing too crazy. And as for what I've been watching, I've been watching a bunch of things. Um, now that I have my AMC A-list uh, subscription reenacted and I am vaccinated and feel more comfortable with going to the movie theaters, which may change given the state of the Delta variant and how cases are increasing in new york um but i've been trying to take advantage of that by going to the movies more often and i went yesterday in fact <clears throat> and saw the nicholas cage film pig uh it was a toss-up for this one because it was either i went to see pig or uh m night Shyamalan's old <laughs> um i'm glad i chose pig though because uh, I really didn't accepted nothing from it except to maybe just have a fun Nick Cage romp and watch him be kind of crazy on screen like he can't so often be. But I wound up walking away having watched what is definitely one of the best movies I've seen in 2021 so far. And I feel like it could easily still be sitting in that space by the time we get to December. It was so much better than I thought it, it was uh, or that I thought it would be. And it took itself way more seriously than I thought it would. A lot of times directors kind of lead into, lean into the camp when they are able to cast Nick Cage in a movie. And this one wasn't that at all. 
Um, in fact, it was so good that as soon as I got out, I wanted to look up the director, Michael Sarnowski, to see anything else that he had made. Because uh, I was immediately like, I need to consume everything this guy has done. And he hasn't done anything else. This was his directorial debut. And he wrote the film as well. So I am super excited to see uh, this guy's career. I hope it takes off. And I hope he uh, keeps on doing what he's doing because Pig was, was awesome. Would you rank it as the best Nick Cage film or your favorite Nick Cage film to you? No, I wouldn't rate, rate, rate it as my favorite Nick Cage film because I think I have had more fun with other Nick Cage films, specifically his craziness. Like I think Mandy probably, probably ranks really high up in my favorite Nick Cage films. But this is definitely one of the best movies that I've seen Nick Cage in for sure, easily. Is it like a good stack of bacon on the plate or a good fried country ham? Oh man, this is more of like a like a like a vegan a vegan ham sandwich. Oh. <laughs> that's that's terrible. Listen, we can't talk about eating pigs, all right? Nick Cage's character <laughs> wouldn't like it. Uh, the pig wouldn't like it. <laughs> you don't know. You didn't ask the pig. Uh, Mocha, as always, great to have you on. Great to see your lovely face. And I really like your shirt. He's doing a nice little sort of synergistic color thing there. I'm, I'm Thank down. Thank you. I tried to wear a, like, some bits of green for today for Loki. Did you get that at uh, Dave's shirt? No, this is from Zara. This is from a Zara in Spain from like a 2017. <laughs> it's an old shirt. I tried, I is, that the name of the, is that the name of the place, Brylin, from uh, I Think You Should Leave? It was oh like Dave something. Are you making fun of these patterns, dude? There's so many patterns. That's yeah, why it costs a complex so shirt right there. You got. <laughs> they had a shirt in Zara that cost two thousand dollars because of how complex the patterns were. <laughs> All right, I'll t- I'm gonna toss it over to Brylin. Uh my guest host, co- my good friend. What's going on, man? What you sipping <laughs> on tonight? What else you got going for you? Hey, how's it going? Uh, yeah, I've been just hanging out with the boys and all love hanging out with the boys because we get to get some uh, sloppy steaks and drink all the water because it's hot today. Uh, so I am drinking water in my trusty thermos I have next to me. Uh, sloppy what, steaks. Yeah, I'm having some sloppy steaks. <laughs> and I might buy my nephew a Tammy Crabs doll because uh, I've been watching I Think You Should Leave Season 2. I finished it up today. Uh, and I definitely enjoyed this uh, season uh, better than Season 1. I feel like it has more consistency in its humor and like it's a, little bit, it's a bit more clever in what it does. And I don't feel like a big lull. Like last season, I felt like they it was really front loaded on like how good the jokes were, and then the middle's just kind of eh, and then the end is very funny. I feel like you get a little bit more consistency through this season. Uh, but yeah, there are some fantastic things. I mean, Mocha, like you, what you were saying last week about uh, corpse flop or or uh, was it? Uh, <laughs> Coffin, coffin flop. Oh, coffin flop, yeah. On Corn Cop TV. <laughs> That's amazing. And I mean, I even like uh, Tammy Craps as well. I thought that was hilarious with the uh, girl holding the macanudos and stuff. But um, yeah, it's a, it's funny how like this show like absolutely is so absurd, but can't stop laughing at it just because of how ridiculous uh, Tim Robinson is through the whole thing. Yeah, just to, to to say something too, Brian. I really liked what they did with this season because he he seems to have grown in terms of what he was capable of. Because uh, the first season, hilarious. I love the first season, 
but almost I'd say like 90% of the jokes in the first season or the sketches are based on the notion of somebody lying and then doubling down on that lie when they get called out on it. Um, but this season, had, and I was worried they were just going to do that again for the new season, but this season had a lot of different uh, versions of absurdity to it, and they didn't rely on that same trope over and over. So I was, I was very happy with this season too. Yeah, yeah, it was really uh, smart how they handled this season. Just felt a little bit more tight, you know. Uh, what I've also been watching is also checked out uh, Kevin Smith's uh, sequel to the original Masters of the Universe cartoon series, uh, Masters of the Universe Revelation Part 1. So it's like five 30-minute uh, episodes that is part one of a season one they have for Masters of the Universe. It's definitely got a lot of rave reviews. Um, the internet and social media as usual like has come out of the woodwork and either praise Kevin Smith for what he's done or panned him. But you know what, what else would you expect from the internet? Uh, but yeah, he definitely turns the whole idea of He-Man on its head with this series. And it's, but I really think it makes sense where he continues the story of He-Man. Granted, there's not much to build off of. I mean, this is a cartoon that was made to sell a lot, bunch of toys, but it is very, um, like memorable and very nostalgic for people of my age uh, that were really into He-Man at the time. And um, I've had some friends tell me like, they think this is like ultra feminist and stuff like that, but I really don't get that feel for it. I think um, also the voice cast is amazing. They get Lena, Lena Headley, Hetty and uh, Sarah Michelle Geller in this uh, show, as well as uh, we got um, Mark Hamill playing the voice of Skeletor. So they definitely a lot of good people um, actually doing the voices. Um, and it's actually animated by the people that did Castlevania. So uh, the animation's pretty solid and the action is pretty solid as well. I say if you are even have one iota of interest, I think it's neat just to see what type of story they come up with. But also the cliffhanger they leave this first, this first part of the season on, um, it's a doozy. So uh, it's something that you would not really expect them to do. So uh, that was definitely worth checking out. And then the last thing I'll mention is I watched the Disney plus episode of uh, Loki assembled going over the behind the scenes of the making of Loki. Uh, it, I mean, I love this series. I just love seeing like the behind the scenes, even if it's just like an hour of how did they make this vision come together and getting people to talk about like what it was like to work on this. What I think it was a little different than the other ones that they did with uh, Loki Assembled is they kind of let Tom Hiddleston run the show on this. And so he gets a lot of personal input of like what the character of Loki meant to him. And he definitely takes you on a little bit of a journey of his acting process. And that's something you really don't usually get in these type of documentaries that are usually about more of the technical aspects. Uh, but it was really refreshing to see Tom Hiddleston talk about like his... Um, how he approaches acting, how he approaches Loki and what he thought was essential and what the other actors thought were essential to, uh, to actually make this happen. Um, but I will shout out one thing that's amazing. Like if you're, um, there is a reference prop they use that I'll mention in our podcast that I think is one of the most brilliant, simple objects to use to make a bit of movie magic happen. So that was a really good uh, watch as well. Well, Bradlin, it's always great to have you on. It's great to see your face. 
Yeah, great to be here. Cool. My name is Warren. I'll be your host this evening. I am also not drinking any sort of booze. This is my fasting day, so I'm sticking with water as everybody else. I'm sort of, you know, regular variation to that. Uh, and what I've been watching is a couple of things. Um, Schmigadoon, which is on Apple TV+, Plus, uh, starring Keegan-Michael Key and Cecily Strong. And I believe it's somewhat created or somehow Lauren Michaels is in it. I don't know. Or he like sort of created it. Well, I was really interested in this sort of concept and this sort of premise. Sounds really funny, so I you know gave it a shot. As a person who loves musicals, I says, "Why not?" Sign me up. Very interested. Very funny. Um, strange kind of uh, quirky show. Uh, I believe they are like some of the you know two are like the better comedians. I think sort of out there. So I'm really excited to kind of keep up with this. I think it's on Apple TV. They're only four episodes in, and each episode is under like 30, 35 minutes. So um, if you look for something a little bit different and sort of fun with the musical element and spin to it um it's really cool also martin short is in it and alan cummings i believe is in it too so um very very funny i i do sort of enjoy that show but man i was super pumped for ted lasso season two mm-hmm. been waiting for this for a while a little bit nervous because it felt like after we sort of reviewed it um Somebody must have picked it up and sort of talked about it. Some some famous person and it like took over and everybody started to watch the yeah. show. And so it was I was definitely nervous because it seems like they already sort of greenlit season two and three, maybe. I think even before season one was over. So I was sort of curious how it's gonna be sort of playing out with introducing the show again, especially because the first season dropped the first two or three episodes, and this one's only doing it per episode. So now we have less content than what we had last year. Um yeah. but I, I loved it. This episode was uh, it, it picked up right where it left off. It enhanced ev- almost every one of the characters that they were sort of um solidifying, sort of building up. And it's also going places where I'm really excited about because you're starting to ask a little bit more questions and getting a little bit of understanding of motivations of each one of these characters, specifically Ted in this case. Um, So I was like dying laughing the amount of jokes. There was Mm -hmm. this ridiculous, even Emma laughed and she didn't want to at the uh, Hamilton bit that was in the bar. And uh, <laughs> let me be real a second. It was so fucking funny. Um, so this by far, I think that's like the best show on TV for right now. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, but I've been sort of so streaming and watching that. Yeah. Qu- quick thing on that one. I, I, I actually do think quietly Ted Lasso is kind of like a cultural thing now. I have a couple of friends yeah. that vehemently hate Apple. Like the whole company. They just, they cannot stand the whole thing. And they love Ted Lasso. They watched it. Yeah. They watched season two when it first came out. Like they, it's wild to watch. And yeah, no, I, I really do think that it's like shockingly like this kind of weird, wholesome comedy movement that we're seeing right now. Um, well, the quietly. writing's so goddamn good is yeah. what I think the big yeah. thing you look at. 90% of other yeah. Apple other shows is like, ooh, the writing is not good. Like, no. sure, you may have some good performances, some good set pieces there, but it's just like lacking in a bit there. The writing here is so goddamn good. And you also pair it with some people we're familiar with, like Jason Sudeikis. And then you have all these other pit players around him that are just so good in their own. Um, it's, a, it's a really good recipe that I don't think we've seen uh, a comedy this way before? I don't know. I haven't. I can't remember a comedy that this goddamn wholesome, but still has some 
stuff, you know, have some substance in the background that you're trying, you still want to learn what's happening as you follow this entire team that end up losing uh spoiler for the first season right so i think that's something interesting um that it comes with it so uh, i'm excited about it i really hope apple continues to like put their eggs in this basket because clearly when they were launching the streaming service things like c and uh those things like a space one there's like four or five ones that was like uh, i don't know some people like sort of dickinson that was one yeah. that was like interesting too but it, it felt like if they knew this was coming ahead of time when they were launching it, they should have started with this. They had no idea. Like, they had right. absolutely yeah. no right. idea what they had. They were throwing spaghetti yeah. at the wall. Right. And that's a bummer because it's like, man, they clearly s- knew this show. They they existed and they had it, but they were like, well, we think people are going to like this instead of this. And this came out and completely cleans up uh, with yeah. all the nominations. So To be, to be fair, this is, yeah. they're, they're smart to, I mean, pivot like what type of material they want to, their service to be on. And I think like they're, I think right now Apple TV Plus's main goal is going to be how many Golden Boys can we bring home to just say we're a reputable streaming service. Well, even now, physical. So, like, uh, and Emma loves it. I haven't had a chance to start watching it, but like, looking at something like Schmigadoon, physical, and Jason Sudeikis, uh, Jason Sudeikis, uh, and Ted Lasso. Jason Sudeikis is Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> yeah, like those three shows are um, much also better. Central Park. Right. Yeah. Um, I I started watching. I was a little annoyed by it, but I think a lot of people like it. But just like. Those three shows are better than what they launched with. I I feel uh, just like more popular. A lot of people are actually watching them. So I don't know. Um, but I've been watching those two things um, along with watching Dave. That's on sort of FX. I think I've, I have been watching that on Hulu. Um, and I really enjoy this season, but it's a very different season of Dave. Like I love the first season. I'm still sort of on board of what he's doing. I'm still trying to figure out like what sort of story that he's trying to tell. And it seemingly tends to seem somewhat sporadic and chaotic and crazy, but I think it's slowly sort of tying in some, some themes here. So, um, but the, there's one episode that basically sums up internet dating in such a good goddamn way that I loved it. Absolutely loved like that episode when you talk about like being in a dating app. So that was actually pretty cool. So that's Dave. That's a streaming on Hulu that I've been checking out too. Awesome. And with that, we're going to take a quick break. Um, we're going to get into our full spoiler section of everything Loki season one. Uh, I would also mention that if you haven't seen anything in the MCU universe as a whole up until this point, it may be spoiled too. So just keep that in mind. You may want to sort of put a pause and watch some things, maybe like things like WandaVision, maybe like Captain Falcon Winter Soldier, maybe things like, um, you know, the Endgame, all those. There was another TV thing that was out. Oh, also maybe things like um, Black Widow. So keep that in mind. Um, there could be spoilers for all the Marvel stuff um, that's going to be before here. So we'll be back shortly for a full spoiler edition of Loki Season 1.
are back and we are the Down to Front podcast in our full spoiler edition of Loki season one that is streaming on Disney Plus right now. We will also be spoiling just about anything else from the MCU that has came before this actual season finale. So just kind of keep that in mind. I don't want you to be sort of upset and sort of bummed and, you know, kind of beat up Mocha on the street. That'll be really sad. What we're going to do here is that we're going to... (laughs) <laughs> you can try, try. Uh, what we can do here is uh, we'll talk a little about the actings and characters for the entire season. So kind of keep that in mind because there's a lot of uh, things, somewhat of a lot of characters, a lot of things that we can talk about. Then we're going to go into our MVPs of the entire season. Who do you think sort of wowed us before we get go into our little bit of conclusions? And during that, we may also sort of sprinkle in some sort of what ifs, not literally talking about what if, but talking about um, some speculation of different characters to where we may end up seeing them in other um, MCU um, pieces of work. So I'm going to start it off with uh, Brylin. You're usually the one to kind of kick us off. Tell, talk to me about the actings and characters of Loki season one. Yeah. So Loki, I mean, this is like our third MCU TV show we've gotten this year so far. So we've had a lot of Marvel thrown our way. Uh, and um I mean, I, I feel like we just continue to get spoiled very much about like just the creativity and the and just the content we're getting with these TV shows because they could do so much more in like six one hour episodes versus a two and a half hour uh, movie. Um, but um, I have to say, like Loki does not disappoint. I mean, it it gave me a lot of good feelings, like kind of like a mix of X Files and also Doctor Who, especially with time and the uh, and protecting of time being uh, one of the big uh, topics and plots about uh, Loki. Uh, but what I found just wonderful about Loki gives they gave Tom Hiddleston basically this six episode framework to explore the Loki character really really well and to be honest like i am an mcu fan that probably wouldn't even put loki in like a top tier like favorite character even though i know he's really beloved there's nothing against him it's just he's definitely a character for a certain audience and um but i can appreciate what he does but i mean i mean this loki here that i always was curious to wonder like why did they choose the loki that was just defeated at in Avengers to be the one that we explored, see how he grows and stuff uh, to become out of place and out of time. But uh, I think Tom Hiddleston just nails it with exploring all these different dimensions of Loki. And it helps to kind of get this better understanding of this character who uh, we've always known as definitely a villain, but a villain with just, with a good pretense as well for why he does what he does. Uh, and that grows into this anti-hero that, uh, is that has a fraternal loyalty to his brother that regardless of what happens, he'll always be there for him. And we eventually see that this character gets killed by Thanos. Um, but it, it was the, it was a neat idea to just kind of resurrect him and continue to explore like what makes Loki Loki and why is he the way he is? and what is his impact overall as a character as well? Because you would think he's, he's not an Avenger. He's not like going to be that one of those high level characters, but they give this, this brilliance and this acting and just from all these different variations and the idea of variance, 
I mean, makes Tom Hiddleston really shine as an actor. And I think one thing that really stands out is that he's a stage actor first, that he's like a Shakespearean classically trained actor. And that whole character of Loki being into these different places and different points of time, kind of he actually brings that strength of stage acting with it. And it all culminates in that battle of the Lokis in that bunker at the end of time, which I think is hands down actually one of the best uh, action scenes that they've done in the MCU, just because, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous and hilarious, but also at the same time, it's just allowing Tom Hiddleston to play off of himself and other people so fantastically well. Yeah, I, I love the the bits, uh, like, especially when Loki would, like, show up in other movies and other films, he was usually stealing the show. Um, yeah. And it was funny, it was sort of comedic, sort of dark. You can clearly tell that there's, like, he's not fully evil, but he's still doing this because he's, like, angry at something. So it was nice to actually fully let his character breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, we got some of it. We got a lot of it, excuse me, in Thor. Um, but then if you look back, like you said, they sort of like, you know, reset this character. We were able to get sort of a, a really nice natural progression, as you mentioned when we were talking about loss, right? And I love the, that moment in the actual um, entire show when he's like watching his life and he watches his mother dies and it still hits him just as effectively here in the show as it did when it actually sort of occurred. And so I'm like, that's, that's really good. Not only continuity, but we're talking about two different Lokis from two different times, but this is still sort of that, uh, that force that's still showing and how good he is. You know, Tom Hiddleston is that dude. Um, And I I really think that it's kind of a bummer because when he was getting more and more injected into the MCU, people would just end up liking more of the actual movies. So it was nice to finally kind of have his character sort of breathe. And um, I love the being able to, for him being able to kind of carry this particular sort of series um, seems relatively easy. He did have a lot of help though. So um, I agree with uh, just about everything you said. Yeah. And I mean, along with him is like, I mean, just other wonderful people in this cast, like, um, I have to say, like, uh, the person that kind of really impressed me the most was Owen Wilson as Mobius, um, just this detective of the TVA. We we know, like, an Owen Wilson character can always be, like, utterly ridiculous, but for some reason, this is an Owen Wilson character that's uh, incredibly subdued and very subtle, and it's he's still able to bring that, like, personality that Owen Wilson has to it, especially when he's talking about, like, uh, his dreaming of wanting to have a jet ski, of having a jet ski and just drive it around and stuff. Um, he brings this, like, mentor character for Loki to life that's really wise, but also at the same time can be pretty ruthless in his own right, uh, just because he has... At first, he has this uh, duty to protect the sacred timeline that he takes very seriously, um, even if he has a very laissez-faire attitude. But once his world gets flipped upside down, he shows that like his determinants is there to kind of fix things. And he's, he's basically a fixer that's, no matter what, is going to try to find to do the right thing. And I think he really shines in that role as Mobius. So- I, I have to uh, utterly, utterly agree with you. Um, the Marvel's 
Disney Plus shows have had great chemistry between the lead actors and actresses. Um, you know, Wanda and Vision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, though all of those other characters at least had a couple movies to develop it. And if, if not, you know, the better part of a decade, you know, with some of these folks. Um, and so to do that with a non MCU or MCU premiering, uh, actor was phenomenal. And I, I loved those scenes. That interrogation scene in episode one, uh, was phenomenal. (laughs) You, you had no idea who was lying to each other, you know, at either time, you know, they were, they were both clearly con men, uh, trying to out con each other. And we've seen, we've been conditioned with Loki that he's always going to have that like kind of last laugh, right? He, his, his illusions are his thing. And you just never quite knew whether he was going to pull something out of his backside or not, or if Mobius really was smarter. And I, I love that it, there was just like that fine balance of just not tipping their hand either way. Um, you know, until the whole thing broke down and Mobius, you know, obviously changed paths but I, I thought that was phenomenal where you you just you didn't know who was going to pull the uno reverse card at any time and just clearly be the intellectual uh what was it uh the superior variant or something yeah the yeah the superior variant yeah yeah so well, it's like the it's like the boy who cried wolf right like in the moment that loki is attempting to do something noble everybody's like nah we no, 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 no. We, we're not doing this. We're not doing this again. We've seen this one before. Uh, ex- exactly. <laughs> and I think that, that also, yeah. that really Mobius has probably with dealt with it. it like a thousand times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and it also has really helped with that. That's something that it's not like it got boring. You can kind of go back into the well because it felt like each time it happened, the scenario situation was so very different that, like you said, Blewett, we don't know which way he's going to go, and does he actually have an ulterior motive or, or, or not? And so it, it really made it interesting, and they kept mentioning the God of Mischief, God of Mischief, all that shit that they kept mentioning too, so it made it really fun because you don't know no. what is real and what's not. Um, especially, we'll talk a little bit about that later too, because I think that's actually pretty interesting. Yeah, and I also think uh, Owen Wilson's like just personality of Mobius kind of brought credibility to just the overall quirkiness of the TVA, uh, where we have like this Fallout style um, anachronistic um, office that is hyper corporate and everything, and like they have things like the the like um, like the meanest ways they can find to torture Loki is have Lady Sith punch him in the balls like repeatedly over and over for hours on end. And I I like that they're still having so much fun with exploring and just showcasing what all these different characters do. So you know what that scene was, right? Lady that was Sith punching him in the balls. Yeah, that was a remember Lady Sif? She's still around scene. <laughs> like that's all that was. They could have had literally they should have had the Hulk smash him. That would have been a more uh, <laughs> it's just know, like being flopped around. Like constantly. a more like cause that just happened, you know, uh in that timeline. And but this was a hey, Lady Sif isn't dead. Hella didn't kill her. Remember that, you know. Which I'm glad for because at some point you look back and say, Where the fuck did she go? Why did she mm-hmm. just up and disappear from these movies. I know the actual actor went and did a bunch of TV and you yeah. know had a much better career than being a side character in Thor, but you do find it odd. I believe the last movie that they were in was Thor. The only movie she was in was Thor 1, right? Was she in 2? She was, she was in, in two. Thor 2. Yeah. Okay. And she so was, 2 she was, was the last with, one, uh, which is not good. With that NBC show. 
Yeah. Which yeah, I I, I thought that's the name of it. What what's her name? Jamie Alexander. Jamie Alexander. Yeah, but like yeah. her not showing up in the other Thor, her not showing up in anything else was really odd, especially the third Thor when she was like rallying, he was rallying his friends around. Uh, and I think there was some name drops, but never appeared. It was weird. So I'm I'm at least glad they sort of did, they did that, and that was nice. Um, although Bluett, I don't know if it's actually establishing that she's still around because that was a different t- point in time. It was, um, but, but that was that was a that was a backdoor. Like she she's not dead. Like yet. I mean, right? But I remember it's like, hey, yeah, you oh, want yeah, a quick yeah. paycheck? Come come sift it up for a bit. Also, the Which blind spot got canceled. So. <laughs> hey, we'll pay you a bunch of money. Come back to us. What else you got, Brian? Uh yeah. So I would uh, also say, like, I mean, there's there's a lot of cool guest actors in here that are actually really good actors that um that I always I mean love seeing them, but I I love how much fun the all the actors would have embodying their roles. Like I think Richard E. Grant as classic Loki, he definitely shows how much fun he's having. And one thing I thought was really neat is, I mean, I don't even follow him on Twitter, but I suddenly started to see a lot of his Twitter posts come into my timeline. And the way he talked about his approach, this like guest role and everything sound like it was like one of the most fun moments he've had, he's had in his career. And I thought that was actually really cool to hear like an actor. You don't hear an actor bitch about their work. You hear an actor like enjoying like, Hey, I'm going to dress up in this goofy costume and act like I have these powers and making a whole illusion of Asgard, which visually that was fucking awesome. What classic Loki did uh, to, uh, to distract Alioth from them. But I thought that Richard E. Grant was having a big fun time. Also love, Tara Strong is Miss Minutes. I always like little quirky cartoon characters like that. So uh, I, I thought that was fun. Uh, but I one, one quick I, one quick thing on both of those characters. So both of those characters, for the minimal amount they were in the show, both had all these like nerd theorists going wild. Like Richard E. Grant yeah. was in in the show for like literally an episode. And everyone yeah. was like freaking out, like, oh, he's going to be like the superior Loki. Like, no way he's gone. No way he's dead. Like, everyone was losing their minds over that. And then Miss Minutes, same thing, where like, I think Tara Strong teased that Miss Minutes isn't necessarily just like a hologram. And mm-hmm. people were again losing their minds. So, like, Miss Minutes is controlling everything. Like, what, what's behind Miss <laughs> Minutes? Uh, Miss Minutes is the real. <laughs> yeah. She who remains. Yeah, so it's it's uh yeah, it's wild uh that their little bit parts had uh enough of an impact that like, you know, folks were wildly speculating. Uh which is cool. You know, it's like that's that's awesome. That's what that's what a well-written supporting character should be. And they should be interesting enough that people want to see more and get excited about potentially where they might return. Well, the other nice thing is that any at least like the fact that they kind of kept this sort of open in a bit of the unknown, right? Any of the characters that we are sort of meeting and also the mention of sort of variants and with time, they can easily come back, 
right? Like it's it's not like anybody so far, anybody who has sort of died in the show is completely gone, especially because we have all these different sort of timelines. So I'm appreciative of that too. Um, it does somewhat water down, if they do that, it does sort of water down the heroic moments that, you know, occurred, but I'm still sort of excited about, you know, that the concept of like, oh man, I really like this person. Now I'd love to see them later in a different sort of space as a variant and what could change and what could be altered. So that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to hold off and talk about the other actor I want to talk about because I want to, I guess we're good. We should save he who remains for like near the end. I yeah. Think. Oh, totally. Uh, but there's still plenty of characters here, which I think uh, I'd love to hear y'all chime in on some of the other characters that were introduced in Loki. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I guess the, the only, the other big standout for me would be, uh, Sophie DiMartino. Um, I never really heard of her British Australian, something like that. Uh, I thought she was phenomenal. Um, again, talking, going back to the Mobius and Loki connection. Um, I think their chemistry might've only been outshined by the Loki Sylvie connection. Um, I think, you know, there's like a natural flow of episodes, right? And we get the term filler episode uh, thrown out a lot. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing uh, to have that, to have padding uh, to a show um, if it's used correctly. Uh, and one thing that I didn't mention in the uh, beginning section is I've been watching The Bad Batch and recently they had an absolute filler episode that also did nothing for the characters. And so you you just don't... It's like, why why did we... Why did I... Why'd this get made? You Why? know, we, we could have just skipped it. Um, Sell a toy. And uh, not even, I don't even think there was a big character in there that you could resell a toy on. But anyways. The last, the last episode, you mean? Yeah, the last one. Yeah. 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 It, it's like, I wish I just watched this in a binge and then I could on with the next one. Um, the, I think the, the episode that everyone brings up is Lamentous. And to me, mm-hmm. utter filler episode. Completely a filler episode. That being said, I think that was integral to establishing the characters and the relationship uh, between Sylvie and Loki and establishing that they were different individuals. Um, you know, they were they had gone down separate paths. They were broken, but in different ways. Um, and I thought it was very necessary to carve out the last three episodes, which I, I think are pretty universally loved. The last three. Um so, so yes, uh, it was a filler episode, um, but I will, and it was probably not the best one. It was probably the worst one out of the whole season, if I'm being honest, but the ability for them to let the characters grow was awesome to see. Uh, plus I guess the visuals were pretty solid in that, that episode as well. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. Like during this whole, uh, aspect of, um, dealing with this whole idea of, uh, keeping time stabilized and not letting it branch out and become chaotic and everything. They, they also have this smaller story going on. That's about Loki kind of understanding himself a bit more. Um, It's a, it's a journey of self identity and also acceptance of oneself and also self love. I mean, that's, that's kind of the purpose of Sylvia. She is a variant of Loki. And even though she has, Definitely, she did not grow up in Asgard or anything. She was ripped away as a child and basically lived on the run since she was a kid. 
there is this uh, thing that, yeah, she is a totally different person, but also that um, Loki grows to love and everything, but he also realizes that what he loves is also in him as well, which I think is really important for that character. And there are people making a lot of stink about how they kiss at the end. And I think, I, I think there's nothing wrong with that kiss because it is kind of like just Loki finally accepting himself for who he is. Um, even though visually it might look like a very heteronormative kiss. It's, there's a lot more to it than that, I think. Well, also, it also sort of cements and finally, I think somebody sort of tweeted, so it's not my words, but um, the fi- the moment that he let his guards down, he gets double-crossed. And so I love the fact that after when it, he comes to and he's just sort of sitting in that room, the camera just sort of holds on him of the hurt. And you can like visibly, yeah. like visibly see how hurt he is and crushed that this could happen to him. Which is something he's done to everybody. Even the jokes when they were on, you know, the the space at the end of time, everybody double crossing, double crossing. And so I, I, I love it because they established that this, you know, we already knew going into the show, this is what Loki does. Then they make it a hilarious joke with all Lokis are just double crossing each other like a yeah. cartoon. And then when it happens, the entire stakes is so different that you... You can't laugh. You're so sad now. And you you feel for Loki of like, oh, we we all thought she could possibly change, but but no, she actually ended up sort of double crossing in there. So yeah. I, I loved, <laughs> you know, when you talk to you know rules of three, basically I love the the fact that they were able to uh, you know redo. That's what I was sort of that's what I was alluding to of like kind of going back to the well. It never felt old. We knew we knew something would happen, but it you know it, the the blow was still um, that severe, and I really appreciated that. Can we? Could, I, I I know we said this in both and uh, no, um, WandaVision and uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but can we? I, I got to applaud Marvel for sticking true to these like kind of deep philosophical like topics. You know, um, yeah. Bryland, you mentioned this, and I just want to I just want to state like my love of it is that this entire show was an episode or was a show about self-determination and individualism, right? Like what does it mean to be you as a person? Um, can you share your, per- your individuality with anyone else? And uh, you know, it, do your choices matter or is there just someone at the end of the time who has seen it all? Right. And, and, and you're going to end up where you're going to end up regardless of uh, you know, what you choose. And, and so, Again, it's these is Marvel taking on really he- like heady topics, uh, and I think doing a really good job with them. Now, I think I think WandaVision probably uh, approached grief in a more interesting and a more engaging way. So I, I think from that standpoint, uh, WandaVision's winning that. But uh, again, to go through that and to have to think about everything, that conversation between Mobius and Loki, um, where they're like. I forget what they exactly say at this part, but it ends with them saying, uh, you know, we'll just sit, sit on the beach at the end of time, you know, toes in our sands in the sand was, was awesome. And just like, like, I can't believe we're seeing this in a comic book TV show, (laughs) you know? Um, so just even, even Falcon and winter soldier kind of mentioning sort of not, not like kind of really diving into discrimination in the United States. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Wartime, but specifically talking about the power dynamics of the fighting that, you know, the rich is richer, the poor is poor. And that just, 
what it is. And that that was really the basis of the entire show, which we we don't we don't really get. I mean, the only other Marvel TV that we had for this was Agents of Shield, where the themes was really driven into like characters of finding different powers and stuff. We don't really get a lot of themes that is really sort of um, cemented in. Um, huge ideals that still affects people today, right? Like it's, it is almost a reflection of what you sort of see what, and how the world is somewhat I think, sort of going to. I think the difference on those ones is that Asia's shield had to come up with an hour long episode, 24 weeks. So essentially half the year um, yeah. where these are mini series, right? Uh, either a limited series for one division Falcon of the winter soldier, or, mm-hmm. you know, a true mini series with Loki. Uh, which, by the way, I, I hated the whole will return in season two. Like, don't part of the MCU is it's like a more interesting stinger, I'd say. Yeah, I hated that. I like don't admit that, that it's fine. Don't admit it's a TV show. I like everything. I, you could just say Loki will return. And that to me, that's mm-hmm. like all you needed. I don't need to think it's a TV show. Uh, I think you're being consistent. I think it's, I mean, we've never seen anything like this before. So I. I, I, I get what you're saying, but w- did they say at the end of WandaVision and Falcon when it said it, it, it is the same thing, right? No, no, because this uh, was their coming out. Showed, oh, like uh, in the Falcon Winter Soldier was, um, yeah, the uh, stinger of um, U.S. agent kind of being yeah. born. So, and and gotcha. did they say, oh, no, no, the big thing for that one was that it was Captain America in the Winter Soldier. Yeah. That was like the yeah. big reveal there. That if there's going to be another season, that'll be what it's called. Or just, or a movie, you know, or Cap movie, 4. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's um, what they did. They didn't announce Cap 4 right after that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that official or is that just like, hey, we're working on some scripts and we'll see what happens? I mean, it's official that the showrunner and the lead writer are yeah, starting yeah. to okay. like build out the idea. Okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, this, I, yeah, it was a small thing. It's a, a minor, minor nitpick, but um, I would have just preferred Loki will return. Um, oh my gosh. What were we talking about before going on this tangent? Themes and miniseries. Oh yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, just to return to this, uh, Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D., longer, they couldn't really develop it, whereas these miniseries were focused. My assumption will be that for season two, there will be a different theme. You know, like you, you, they won't retread individualism or self determination. It'll be some other concept they're they're trying to tackle. Awesome. Uh, I would say, like, I mean, one thing I would just uh, really appreciate about um, the show. I mean, what other. I would just say one other variant I really appreciate of Loki was the, I think he's become, he's not as big as Grogu, but he definitely brings the same type of charm as Grogu is Gator Loki. Uh, just being a baby Gator that has carries, has horns on it and has two scenes and everybody loves him for it, that he attacks proud Loki one time and then he bites the hand off a of president Loki and everybody just fell instantly in love with that little CG gator. Um, what, one thing I really like about it is in order to shoot like Gator Loki, they basically built a, a blue baby gator out of foam. And that was their reference prop on the set. So whatever, like he attacked Tom Hiddleston, they basically took a foam gator and tossed it at him. 
<laughs> to, in order to actually create the scene of him eat, biting his hand off. Uh, awesome. I did not. I I I do not. I don't know if it's fair to compare Grogu to Vader uh, <laughs> Loki. Yeah, by by any means. I didn't yeah, I mean, think they be- go along the same vein of what character that everybody falls in love with. No, they don't. Everybody wants <laughs> I mean, Gator Warren, Loki Warren for Christmas. Like, everybody like technically, wants a plush Gator Loki. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of Gator Loki on a T-shirt. There's going to be a lot about, of- like for, for for merchandising. Yeah, I, I I do hear you on that, but. Uh, I, I guess I, I would imagine people would have a little bit more affinity towards child Loki than Gator Loki. Oh no. Uh, no, I think, a- I think Gator Loki is winning the meme battle, but uh, I'm going to pull the mocha right now. Cause his computer is riddled with Jesse videos. Um, and he's <laughs> yes. not here for this. Uh, and so uh, like, so this, again, this is Mocha's words, not mine. He doesn't text me this. He's going to be, it's going to be hilarious when he hears this. Um, but kid Loki is an immensely important character, uh, to the founding of the young Avengers. And so I think going forward, uh, they did make a conscious effort to make him, um, in a more interesting character and to, yeah, like you said, Warren, like stand out and be like the, the kid character that everyone likes. Um, cause ultimately we're probably looking at, these Disney plus kids coming together and having a, a ball of a time, um, at some point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so, uh, mocha, mocha shades off, um, or mocha headband off. Um, <laughs> I do think though the crocodile was or alligator, whatever gator Loki was, uh, pr- a fun inclusion. Uh, and it just threw that twist. Tom Hiddleston's face when he was reacting to, uh, it just like, I'm not going to question it. <laughs> like, I, yeah, just I have like, a million questions. It, it kind of makes sense. But that one's not one of them. So, <laughs> Yeah. I was hoping that it would be a fox. Like, fox. fox. Well, foxes are tricky, right? And no one trusts a fox. And I thought they were going to go that route. It was weird that... I, I still think it was weird of a fucking... Gators are survivors, though. Yeah. Uh, okay. Sure. People eat gators. I don't know about that. But they've been around for millions of years. So have foxes. Gators are delicious. (laughs) Gator sausage is good. Oh, just fried gator. Um, Can we talk? Uh, Well, Brian, you got anything else before I toss it over to the blue? Uh, The only other thing I want to bring up is Jonathan Majors. And I think... um, do we want to still hold off and yeah, let's do that at the end. Yeah. Cause I feel like that's a good future speculation. So, uh, as is tradition, uh, I'm going to go over a couple things that I thought besides like the acting, acting part of it, uh, I, I thought really worked well. Um, the set design was beautiful in this. Um, the different locations felt so unbelievably different than each other. Um, and the TVA specifically just, captured beautifully that bureaucratic boring place and even though there's some crazy crap going on it just felt boring and that's amazing that's what you want out of it um i also applaud uh i guess this does have to do with like the primary thing but uh the action gets going fast like that first episode is what wandavision episode eight or nine whatever the finale was should have been where just like insanity happens cliffhanger now you gotta wait for the next thing luckily with loki it was literally you know seven days later uh you know not like a year till 
whenever Wanda comes back. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love that. Um, and then the last, uh, uh, one, one other thing, the action I thought could have been better. Um, I feel like it was such a character piece and such a like mystique mystery piece, um, that they, you got multiple magicians, uh, facing off against, uh, an organization that has been to the end of time. And it just, it seemed like it was a little bit punchy kicky for me. Um, yeah. Yes. Well, they also established I mean, the, uh, in that the, space the they couldn't do their magic. Well, they couldn't do magic, which was really established really quickly, blew it. And I was like, oh, interesting. I wonder if they're doing that to save on budget for some reason. Yeah, but they, so that they, they went, have to. I fight. mean, it's also in the comics, too. So they're just kind of adhering to what's there. I but think. they were away from the TVA for enough where you could have had a couple real big fight scenes, you know? Yeah. 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 I, 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 I agree with you 1000%. Like yeah. even when they were on, um, what was the lamentous? That, no, that was the planet that was just being destroyed. Yeah. That was being destroyed by its moon. Yeah. yeah. Which I think that set was gorgeous. I mean, yeah. just yeah. the purple sky and everything. I thought oh, that reminded that. me of Borderlands uh, a lot, especially that remote cabin with the big gun. I was like, oh, I can see that. There's some good. Yeah. Um, there. <laughs> yeah. But even when they sort of like went there, it was all punchy kicky. So I, I, I yeah. it, was just, it was very strange. Or yeah. just I mean, like it a, didn't a take me out of it, but like it could have been better. Um, and then I think, well, the I lo- think this was the most hand fighting we've ever seen from Loki. Like I don't think he's actually got like it was, it was weird. Ragnarok. I was like, uh, do you remember well, get help? Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, but like the most blew it. Like we've seen him. So, he he wasn't actually fighting in Ragnarok because that movie was focused on everybody else. Yeah, he yes, was. he was fighting. Yes, he was fighting. But if you compare his fighting level to someone like Thor or someone like Valkyrie or some. Unlike Incredible Hulk, he even even uh, Carl Urban's character had more fighting sequences than Loki did in that movie. That's what yeah, I'm saying. I mean, Loki's more of a magician, and, uh, right? So, but in this film, in, in this in the show, he's like now somehow learned all of this, like oh, swordsmanship. He always, he always I was cool. Well, he I thought it was knew. cool. The, the, the swordman. I, I'm glad. I, I guess what I'm saying is, I, mean, I, was glad I mean, he, he definitely has it. like a very unique style. Um, like. And, and he How he prefers this. the double daggers versus one prefers a sword and things like that. He also he also was a pretty competent fighter in Thor one. Uh, they yeah. go to the Frost Giants uh, place, um, and he then he was certainly guy. holding his own on the Rainbow Bridge. And, and granted, yeah, like, like cumulatively, he had more fight scenes in Loki, but also cumulatively, that was the most screen time he's gotten. You know, including the, the yeah. Thor movies. Yeah. So. Um, and one last like technical thing, uh, I think her name's Sarah Holt. Oh my gosh. Why I should have made sure I know this. I knew this, uh, before actually saying anything. Um, yeah. Oh man. Natalie Holt. Sorry. Natalie Holt. Um, yeah. So Natalie Holt, this score might have been the best score in the MCU. It's certainly on par with uh, Henry Jackman's, uh, what's it called? Um, Cap 2, the Winter Soldier score. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly on, on par with Alan Silvestri's um, Endgame. Well, yeah. I guess, 
Alan Sebesti. <laughs> like, because he did both Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah. Yeah. But also, those movies had the benefit of, like, mixing themes from, what, 20 other films? So, like, that's yeah. kind of hard to, you know, kind of hard to say. I, I think Jackman's uh, The Winter Soldier was probably probably the number one. Um, but, yeah, Natalie Holt's score for this was gorgeous. It was quirky. Uh, but yet like somber and beautiful at the same time, um, you know, where, wherever it needed to be. Uh, I definitely am looking forward to hearing more uh, of her work going forward. And I hope she comes back for another film, uh, you know, maybe with a similar tone or uh, maybe like some indie film. I could see her applying that, that score um, to some sort of like, you know, French romance film and having it just go, you know, out of the park. <laughs> She has apparently a lot of she, stuff um, here, so I'm sort of curious. Nothing that I recognize. Which apparently she threw eggs against. at Simon Cowell once. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I definitely want to check out more of her work. She has a lot of work that's going to be here. And a lot of it, you said, seems to be from, like, over... I don't know where she's from, but it uh, seems to be not... Uh, yeah, it's, I think it's mostly okay. TV shows. I think this is the biggest thing she's done, I think. So, Mocha, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so, I mean, you guys already said a lot of things that I, I agree with and I feel similarly to. Uh, I think one thing that was really cool, though, if you want to get down on, like a, on a more specific level with this show is I loved how they introduced the character of Sylvie Lushton um, into the MCU. Um, I mean, she's not Sylvie Lushton, in the show, she's Sylvie uh, Lofi's daughter, but uh, I thought it was a really cool take on what she was. And I'm not sure if you all have familiarity with Sylvie's character from the comics, um, but in the comics, after Asgard is destroyed and uh, the re- remains of the Asgardian people relocate to Earth um, at this place called New Asgard, Loki, uh, Sylvie's character comes into play. No one really knows why there's a lot of mystery around her. She claims to be an Asgardian, but she lives in Ohio. And later on in the comics, it's implied, implied, not directly stated, but it's implied that Loki created her himself uh, out of magic, out of just out of magical forces, because he thought it would just be fun to kind of create a living person. Um, and this is kind of a, a unique play on that because, you know, here we have a character who wasn't created by Loki, but who is in fact part of Loki, right? She is a Loki from another timeline. And I thought that was really cool. You know, they, the introduction of the Enchantress could have been messy if they tried to stick really, uh, like, stick really close to the comic side of things. And it's not that I don't think they could have done an arc where Loki creates a person, but I feel like they would have had to do a lot of unnecessary stuff to get there. So the idea of just looping her in, a character who was already intrinsically tied to Loki because she was created by him, um having her be uh like be brought in as just another loki herself i just think was really really cool and and it makes me excited for how else they're going to introduce other characters into the mcu in unique ways um we also know that the mcu throughout this phase four buildup has been introducing elements that we're going to see or rather uh, announcing upcoming elements for different superhero groups specifically the young uh young avengers and Enchantress, Sylvie Lushton's Enchantress, was a young Avenger in the comics. I doubt they're going to do that because she's not a teenage girl in Loki. But I do think that we're going to see Sylvie in the MCU for a long time. Um, and I'm very, very excited about that. 
Uh, and yeah, speaking further about just bringing in comic elements, um, I really like continue to be surprised by how well the MCU brings in more of their like abstract elements, like Elias. Um, Elias is kind of a deep cut. I mean, everything about this show was a deep cut from the comics. The TVA is kind of a deep cut from the comics. Uh, and Elias is definitely one of them too. But in the comics, Elias is pretty important to the character of Kang and who he is. Um, in the comics, like you have different time kingdoms. Like Kang is a, a conqueror and a ruler of a certain subsect of the time-space continuum. And there are other groups that rule other portions of it, including the TVA. The TVA is like a rival to Kang for uh, chronal dominance, I guess, if you could put it that way. Uh, and Elioth is one of those things. And in the comics, Elioth has such a large sweeping territory of time that he controls that it prevents Kang from going back in the past to certain points. So there's limits on Kang's powers in the comics based on Elioth simply existing. And there's a lot, there are certain comic arcs that deal with how Kang uh, like interacts with Elioth. And I like that they brought that all together. All these like the spirit that brought that element in in a very similar way to having him, Elioth, be a thrall of Kang or of he who remains, excuse me, uh, and protecting the edge of edge of time or the, the space beyond time itself. So yeah, like MCU, they keep impressing me. I keep thinking that things are going to be too weird for them to adapt to the movie world and Kevin Feige and the brilliant people who are working on these projects continue to like really actually knock it out of the park. So huge shout out to them for that. Yeah. One thing I'll mention about Elioth that I really liked was we've seen, I mean, even before uh, Kevin Feige taking over the MCU, a lot of tries at like the big giant cloud as a monster or creature in superhero comics. And usually it's like the weakest point. And I like that they brought a lot of personality to Elioth that, yeah, you did have this giant cloud, but it, it definitely felt like it was uh, impacting that environment in owning that environment really well, but also at the very end, seeing it become like this kind of dog-like Severus character, uh, I thought was really cool about it. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really cool look. And I like that they kept, they kept kind of with his comic roots. Like in the comics, he's just this, uh, it's called Alath the Usurper, but he's just a cloud <laughs> like that with like kind of a dog-shaped <laughs> mouth, not like directly like it was in the, the show, but similar, who just consumes as he moves across. And so the idea of having him be this being that consumes matter, <laughs> that consumes time at the end of existence was just very, very cool and very uh, like out there. And if there's one thing that the MCU is clearly signposting towards is that they're just going to dive deeper and deeper into the out there as aspects of the Marvel of the Marvel universe. Um, so yeah, shot definitely a big shot to them for pulling it off. Um, but, but, but I feel like this show also kind of upped Loki's action potential. I feel like it's clear now that this version of Loki is going to be around for a while. I think, I think that after season two, like regard or rather regardless of season two of, of this show, we're going to see him coming back in the, uh, in the movies again and be reintegrated somehow. And in this movie, they leaned into way more than I ever expected them to his telekin telekinetic powers. Um, if you remember on the escape from Lamentis, or they didn't really escape, but just the Lamentis episode, he catches an entire building as it's about to fall on him and Sylvie and pushes it back. And we had never seen that level of telekinetic prowess from Loki. In fact, I, I would be hard pressed to say that we've seen any telekinetic powers from him in the MCU. 
So when I was watching the show, I was like, oh, they're definitely like he's definitely being enchanted by Sylvie right now because Loki hasn't doesn't hasn't doesn't doesn't have telekinesis in the MCU. Uh, but they show that wasn't the case later on because he uses it again when he's fighting her as well. So they're clearly building him up to be more of an action uh, oriented character. Um, it's just a shame he didn't use that telekinesis when uh, he was fighting the Hulk in Avengers Tower and Avengers One. Uh, and then yeah, like the last thing is that I can't stop thinking about the COVID phase four timeline changes and how this story was affected by it, or maybe how it wasn't affected by it. I really, really need to know. I want to skip forward like 10 more years into the future so I can read some article, uh, some interview with Kevin Feige about how Marvel handled all of their planning around the COVID rollouts or rollbacks. Because this show, Loki, was supposed to come after Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And it is literally haunting me every day, the thought of whether or not the multiverse was supposed to spring out of Loki uh, originally or not. Uh, I get the sense from some of the interviews that I read and some of the conversations I've had with people like you guys that that was probably the case. But it just seems very odd to me that the movie Multiverse of Madness existed before, was supposed to exist in the timeline before Loki uh, aired. And now in this rearrangement from COVID, Loki happened first. And it seems so clearly that the end of Loki is a direct tie-in to Multiverse of Madness. And I don't know what it all means. I don't know what happened. But I am always thinking about the, the COVID-4, or the, the COVID-4, the COVID phase 4 MCU timeline changes. Uh, I'm very, very excited to see how it all rolls out. I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you guys think that it was originally planned to be this way all along and that the actual like realignment of movies doesn't matter or you think that there were some last minute adjustment made made when the uh, schedules were changed oh yeah Definitely i'm sure there was minute. a shuffle uh, that and even like some some probably minor issues that happened to make more cohesive sense but um i think it's kind of apt for like this whole theme that they're exploring is like time become this chaotic mess um so far, it hasn't really affected me much, like when it comes to how everything's rolled out. But this reshuffling, will we feel lost or anything going down the road? I, I definitely feel like this phase four may be a lot more nerdy than the mainstream audience I got hooked into Avengers in the, the first phases and everything. Uh, so you might see it not be as financially successful or draw the same crowd. But I think it's really neat that they're willing to actually um, kind of trying to pull these risks still, even though they have a formula that works. It's good to see that they're not really just resting on their laurels. Mm. I disagree yeah. from a finance standpoint. I think the <clears throat> movies, when they get going, are going to whip it around. Yeah, Shang-Chi might make trillions. Uh, or Shang-Chi might not get there, but uh, certainly the Eternals, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, they're going to print money. Yeah. yeah, I'm not worried about the taking too big of a hit on the revenue side of things, but like when I think about regarding the shuffle, everything that we've seen so far, like Black Widow, uh, WandaVision, Captain Falcon and the, <laughs> Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, every time, like all those shows, I feel like them being out of place hasn't really had a direct impact on anything else. Like they've all been for the most part, a self-contained story about those characters 
with a teaser to this other character is going to be be back in X uh, superhero or team up movie <laughs> that we're clearly signposting. Um, everyone except for this one. This is the one that seems like crucial beyond crucial. This the end scene of Loki set up all of what's phase four and possibly even beyond that is going to be about it's giving us that gateway into like into not just the cosmic marvel that we started to see at the end of phase three but multiversal marvel uh the real merchandising machine you know where you can literally make an action figure out of anything just say well it's a what if story um <laughs> and that's huge it's so huge how this series ends that i can't like, it's it, it haunts me the, the notion of how things may or may not have changed legitimately haunts me every day <laughs> yeah and i think i mean the ending doesn't work if unless you have someone like jonathan majors doing he who remains and it seems like whenever we are reviewing something that jonathan majors in i'm just gushing about his performance but man i guess i'm the number one jonathan majors fanboy because the dude does not disappoint he hasn't disappointed me yet so Ooh, warren might want to challenge you on that I definitely will. He he's he's only said that because I'm here. He's clearly the number two Jonathan Majors fanboy, but that's okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I it, it was like one of those things in which I'm like, oh, what? What, what, is he, what is he doing here? And just sort of like crushes the actual scene. He, I don't even think he was even being any particular sort of character. He was just sort of like crushing these sort of lines. Um, in this actual sort of show. Now, I didn't know, you know, me coming from this, I, I'm probably the only one that doesn't like read any sort of comic book stuff. So I had no idea who his character was. So kind of just taking it at, you know, who he is, but being able to sort of deliver his lines and being somewhat of a um, all knowing, somewhat of all powerful sort of character made it really interesting that it just, He's just a man. So I, I love that sort of element of it too, of, you know, these weird sort of fourth wall breaking moments of, you know, you thought it would be something more uh, sort of thing, even <laughs> to the audience and to the Lokis that were there, Loki and Sylvie. Um, but I just loved his sort of performance. I'm sort of bummed how short that it was, but he like dominated the entire sort of sequence, which I thought was really cool. Um, and, you know, really just looking back at his sort of entire monologue really is similar to what Moko was saying. Really does establish a hell of a lot of shit. Like, it's almost like a weird exposition dump we get near the end, but it's almost like a, hey, this could happen. And he's, that one speech is like setting up so many others IPs. It's crazy. So, yeah, one applaud? of my favorite things is, um, I think with Jonathan Major's performance, it actually brings up one of my favorite, like it's, it's created a fan speculation that I really enjoy that apparently they set it up that Jonathan Major's he who remains would react when Scarlet Witch becomes Scarlet Witch at almost like the exact same time in their TV shows. So um, it's neat how they set it up. And if y'all haven't seen it yet, definitely check it out. But it's an interesting idea to think about that they would go that far to think about, uh, yeah, this moment is happening the same time Scarlet Witch has become the Scarlet Witch. I thought Feige came out and said that was completely just like happenstance. Yeah. I want but to applaud. It's yeah, still it, yeah it's, it's still neat. Uh, I want to applaud them for doing an expo dump in a finale and everyone losing their mm. minds over how, like, when's the, when have you ever seen anything in the last <laughs> act of it give an expo dump and been happy that happened like that just speaks to how he just jonathan majors just killed that role 
absolutely just murdered it. Also, uh, the information that they had was compelling enough because I think so. I was on I was on Kang the Conqueror being the person pulling the the strings the whole time. That was my fan theory. The week before I flipped and I was just like, it's going to be a variant Loki because of the whole self-determination identity thing. And he would have to Mephisto boat again. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And and he didn't have to like conflict with basically the true version, like the King Loki version of himself. And then they come out and I should have just held to my guns because I was, I was dang right the whole time. Um, And that's just wild that they can introduce a character and no one's confused. Partially because I think they did a great job of not ever naming him besides the he who remains. And I think that leaves enough ambiguity that the common viewer is like, oh, we're not supposed to really know who this person is. They're just this weirdo that hangs out at time. Whereas like, you know, anyone who's opened up a comic book will be like, oh my God, that's <laughs> Kang the Conqueror. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I and I think that that was just brilliantly done. Uh, great, you know, great script. Obviously, Jonathan Major's performance was remarkable. And then the, the story design element of it uh, as well. Just, whew top tier yeah yeah i was very much similarly blew it i was very much on the oh kang's coming train and it was one of those things where like every episode I got closer i'm like it's so clearly it's so clearly kang and the Elias thing was like the nail in the coffin as soon as Elias showed up i was like okay there's no like if there's any way if there's if anything other than kang at this point i'm just going to be completely dumbfounded um i actually don't think that would have been a bad idea if it was like a, like a different, a variant Loki there. I don't think that would have been a bad idea at all, but that would have been good if this was just a one-off event series uh, about Loki's character, like talking to the Winter Soldier was, like WandaVision was. Um, but this is so much more than that. Uh, and that's and I think that's, like, to your point, it was extremely <laughs> bold, extremely bold to do an expo dump as the big finale. Like yeah, there was a fight in there too, but that fight really wasn't any, wasn't anything spectacular for a finale. Um, Jonathan Majors' expo dump and setting him up as a major uh, existing threat, but adding the mystery of oh well, what version of him is going to be that threat? It was incredibly bold, and it's one of those things that I feel like only Kevin Feige would have like the the, the shitspot to to like plan out and say okay, this is how we're going to do it. And you're just going to trust the process. And I cannot wait to see how that character develops and all the different ways we get to see that character in the yeah. upcoming content. He's kind of like the architect in the matrix. But <laughs> precisely, <laughs> precisely the feeling that I got, which was good. I felt like the, the everything after the architect started talking just went to shit this one was actually good i was like oh okay i'm i i can kind of understand and kind of get what you're what you're meaning it's not like a character although it was very similar like this drop a rando character in the middle of everything and expo mm-hmm. dump that you know as an example of one that i hated the made that you know that one right there <laughs> um so i was just like I, I i'm not buying this this one here i was I, I, oh okay it was really a lot more sort of entertaining um and it sort of also set the stakes for whatever sylvie may want to do so i thought it was cool right mm. yeah oh man yeah i'm so i'm so very excited i'm also so excited that there's gonna be a season two um going into this show i was very much the train of the coolest thing that marvel could do is just do event series you know essentially like a two to three hour mo- movie chopped up into blocks for all these characters i did not want to see any sort of sign of 
Wanda and Vision will return in WandaVision Season 2. Or Falcon and the Winter Soldier will return in Falcon and the Winter Soldier 2. I wondered what they had been doing, which was finish the event series, huge development for that character, great. Next time you see them is in the next big uh, like team-up movie. Um, but like the complexity and the possibility for variance that there is in the TVA storyline uh, I think is exciting enough to want to see more of that story. Plus, hypothetically, it will be after a lot of movies that hypothetically tie into what happened at the end of this uh, this series. And so it would be interesting to see, does Loki, is Loki the Alpha and Omega? You know, um, like is he the start of the multiverse and then does he come in at the middle, the end? Like where, where's... Where is Loki season two going to be? And where is someone that we haven't talked to about at all, but she gave a phenomenal performance. Uh, Gugu and Batha Ra's uh, Ravona Renslayer. Um, That line was awesome. Uh, You know, that's, that could be its own series of just her going through the multiverse, trying to find autonomy, you know, and power and control. (laughs) Getting out time and stuff. Oh, but my friend, she didn't say she was looking for autonomy. She said that she was looking for, uh, wh- how does she describe it? Um, uh, what is the exact word, the phrase that she used that she was looking for? Uh, was it free will? Yeah, she was going yeah. in search of free will. But before she says she's going in search of free will, she says to Mobius, the only person who, who should have free will is the man at the top. So I think that was just a sign saying that she's going in search of who, uh, he who remains. Which would be very in line with the comic book as well. Because they're French kiss sometimes. Uh, no, I, I, uh, <laughs> I agree. And, and that's such a minute point that I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that you didn't call me out on that one. Cause they functionally mean the same thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think, I think that they, it's, it is one of those things that like her journey by itself, like she could almost be the main character and Loki kind of swims around her. Uh, and like, you know, however this whole situation plays out, um, yeah, where do we, where do we think, do we think we're going to get Loki anywhere else? Cause I was convinced he was done after this. I, I was convinced it's going to be a minor timeline thing. Maybe it'll do a season two and hijinks. Uh, I did not see him being a f- crazy integral piece. Also, by the way, I think old Loki gave our Loki the way to beat Thanos, you know, to like, he says that he hid from Thanos. So potentially we haven't even seen the last of like primary timeline, uh, Loki. Um, that's if they push him back into being right. Captured. So and like, we where, where do we think, where do we think we're going to see all these people again? Well, I think it'll be in season two of Loki. I think you might see Loki for like five seconds in a movie, but I, I mean, in Thor Love and Thunder probably, but not much else. So I want to say, just touch on what you mentioned before about old, old Loki blew it. Um, so I think that there's no reason for us to think that in old Loki's timeline, everything else after the, uh, the Asgardian ship was destroyed I don't think there's any reason to think that everything else didn't happen exactly as we experienced it. Because we know that the timekeepers were pruning timelines where decisions were made that would cause a next event. Not necessarily where anything was different, but strictly where decisions that had a big enough impact would change. And what old Loki tells us in his episode is that he pretended to be dead and just floated through the cosmos 
for years and years. And then when he decided to turn around and go back or to stop floating and try to go back and do something, that's when he got pruned. So I don't think there's any reason to think that like Loki like floating in space didn't allow the rest of the timeline to play out as it, as it has every other way. Um, I forgot what else we were saying. Oh, where Loki might show up. So I have a very strong feeling about where Loki's going to show up. And I think it's going to be in the, so right now Loki is involved in a series that is strictly about time travel. And there's only one other uh, like series or maybe not series, but there's one other character <laughs> who is specifically tied to tra- time travel in the MCU today. And that is Ant-Man because in Endgame, it's Ant-Man's technology that allows him to go into the quant- into the quantum, uh, like go down a quantum scale and travel through time because they're no longer bound by by time space. So I fully expect to see, well, not expect, but I would I would not be surprised at all if Loki was involved in whatever the next Ant-Man movie is, strictly because at the very base, like at the very least, we know that Ant-Man is or the Pym particles enable time travel. I just want to see Doctor Strange face palms so hard when 19-year-old Wanda Maximoff and, you know, 5,000-year-old Loki blame each other for the multiverse uh, falling apart in, <laughs> in Multiverse of Madness and just saying like, no, you did it, you did it, you did it. And just him just like, I hate both of you. Why? Why? <laughs> I didn't go to medical school just to be babysitter strange. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I think I think we will see him there. I also expect in season two of Loki that Ravona Renslayer is going to go out in search of he who, uh, who, he who remains and is going to find the variant of he who remains who's now in charge in uh, wherever Loki is right now. So I think she's going to find the one with free will and wind up serving a monster instead of, well, they're all monsters. It's established that the he yeah. who remains of Medicine. They're monster. all different uh, He's just a nice levels guy. of craziness. Nice yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I think she's going to, she's going to like fall in line with him and be uh, like work directly under him which would also be in line with the comics as well. Uh, one other thing I wanted to bring up really quick, if nobody, if, if we don't have anywhere else to jump off just yet, is, and we're going to get real like deep into the theory zone here, but there's one question that's been on a lot of Marvel fans' minds, which is how and when are we going to be reintroduced to the new Fantastic Four? Because we know we got a Fantastic, because we know there like like we had the rights to or we <laughs> much <Disney laughs> has the right to, to the fantastic four now but did you know that in the comics kang is actually uh reed richard's father yeah yeah so nathaniel richard gets richards gets flung into the ten, uh, forward in time to the 30th century like was described in this show uh and through a whole course of events, becomes many different people, but ultimately There's many different variants. Yeah, the Kang that we that, that we know and love—that's Nathaniel Richards. <laughs> now, I don't think necessarily that they're going to lean into that plot point for the current uh, Fantastic Four, but also anything could happen. We've seen a lot of crazy stuff, so I don't know. Would you guys want to see the Fantastic Four be tied into Jonathan Majors' uh, character? Um, it'd be interesting. Like, I mean, in the comics. Uh, a lot of these people you mentioned are very integral to the multiverse and the chaos of timelines and bringing them back. Like even in the comics, Franklin Richards is the one that actually kind of squeezes all the universes back together into a one stable timeline. So there's definitely the possibilities there because the contents are ready in the comic universe. So 
it'll be interesting to see how, what they take as their comic influences into the MCU. I, I just, I feel like we're going to get a reference before their movie. Like I, I just cannot see them at this stage of the game, game? Uh, introducing uh, a character like the fantastic four in their own movie. Like when's the last time was it Dr. Strange? Did he get a, a, a movie by himself? He yeah. Before Captain he Marvel was, I think the last one that got a movie. Oh that, yeah. Yeah. Captain it was, Marvel. um, Introduction of a character. You're talking about maybe Black Widow? Or are you talking about just like solo films? No, uh, like solo film that's solo actually the origin of that character. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, like origins before they showed up anywhere else. Yep. Yeah. I, I I'm I wonder if they'll they'll go more the Black Panther route uh and have him sh- you know, the one at least one of the Fantastic Four show up somewhere first and as like an introduction. I mean, you I think it'd be cool to have them. I think it'd be cool to introduce and sort of uh, get them in this sort of universe, especially because the two that the two attempts were, were not good, and um, so I, I feel that Marvel wants to do everything they want to do the, the character justice, especially if it's going to somehow tie into the uh, entire the back into the universe. So maybe may I think it'd be kind of cool. I think it'd be really funny, especially because you have the whole Chris. Evans, uh, who's going to be sort of, uh, and Michael B. Jordan. Uh, yeah, but he's dead question mark. Yeah. So it's going to be sort of interesting to see well, both um, dead, question that. mark. Well, mm. Chris, Chris Evans still alive in the mm. current MCU. We don't know, we that. know that. Yeah. Mm. We yeah, we do. We've no, never we seen him die, that, but I am fully behind this, the, the notion that he is, uh, up on, on Nick Fury's space base. Playing <laughs> I'm fully, fully 100% behind that theory. But we but, don't have fact, like a factual evidence. Yet. But we ha- we have no evidence that he died. All we've seen him was old. That's yeah. it. You're right. Yeah, That's so, what I'm saying. That I, that I yeah. believe he's on the, on, in the but space Blue, station. But Blue, you seem to be super cons- like super confident that he's I, dead already. Oh, no, no. no. I'm, just, I'm just saying that like... I, no, don't read anything into what I'm saying. I just think it'd be funny if, like, what if we got two Johnny Storms? I mean, and we can't. Multiverse is open to us now. Yeah, we just got, yeah, multiple Johnny Storms. It's just the same guys. I, I highly doubt they're going to do anything with the Josh Shrink version of <laughs> in Like, they don't want to touch that No, at they're all. not doing I, anything. I, I, honestly, yeah, I was yeah. big on the, the whole Doctor Doom showing up potentially tying in with like with wanda in some way i was i'm into dr doom being somehow involved in black panther 2 um but yeah i could totally see like a sue storm showing up in ant-man 3 you know uh, or or potentially like a representative i like i'm convinced the baxter building is going to show up in no way home it, like i like that they they made such a big stink about him swinging next to the sold Avengers Tower. There's just and and yeah. I don't think that we're gonna get Oscorp there. Like I think it's gonna be the Baxter building. The Baxter building, yeah. And and I mean, we might see okay. some like Reed Richards cutting like you know like the welcome tape, you know, and then it cuts over to Spider Man swinging through. Like you could do these things from behind people's heads too. Like right, you don't even need to cast anyone. You could just have like. Hey, this is the this is gonna be the Fantastic Four. They're doing stuff, and it's just like some extras, you know, back of the headshot. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget too that uh, you know, if we're talking about like connecting characters through similar characters, 
the Ant-Man series has Hank Pym. And Hank Pym is one of the most foremost scientists on Earth at this point in time. And Reed Richards is also one of the for, for most foremost scientists. So if Reed Richards already exists, then there'd be no reason for him and Hank Pym not to at least be acutely aware of each other, at least as Peter. They're all also two of the foremost assholes in them. <laughs> yes. yes very much. But like, it would completely make sense to me if Reed Richards was introduced as a colleague of Hank Pym's that they had to let, he had to begrudgingly yeah. reach out to uh, in a future movie uh, for help or something like that. Not even introduced as Dr. Mr. Fantastic, but just it's as Reed, Reed Richards. Richards. Brilliant scientist uh, and owner of the Baxter Building. Um, I got one last thing to throw at you, boys. I know we've been out for a while, but I really want to hear your thoughts on this. So I haven't really seen this spoken about anywhere, but it's something that I can't get out of my craw. But are we are we being set up for a version of Kang, uh, you know, Jonathan Major's character? Maybe not a version, but the version we just met. Are we being set up for him being a Wakandan from the future? Here's one. Here's one. No, why you choose it? I thought you were going to say, are we we being set up for Kang in thigh-high boots? And I was like, probably. (laughs) (laughs) So, aside from just him being a black man, right? What what do we get from his storyline that he set up for us in episode six? He was from the 30th century, and he's from Earth. He's a human from the 30th century. And he was from a tech from he was from some place that was technology technolo- or he himself was within an either a country or an organization or somewhere that was technologically advanced enough in science that he was able to discover the multiverse. Oh, that could be anyone, that could be anywhere. But the thing that really drove it home for me as a possibility a cool was the cake. technology that he uses to, sh- to in the in the show, which is or to show his backstory, which is this kind of like moving kinetic sand. Kind of like the entire introduction to the history of Wakanda in the Black Panther movie. So, do you think that we're going to get like the MCU version of of Kang being a rig- being a future Wakandan? I don't know. I haven't heard of that. It'd be interesting. I just haven't heard anything to do with sort of time um, time bending in any other Wakandan. I mean, in the in the in the movies, it's just nothing. But it could be interesting. I like where you're going. Especially, I think somebody mentioned it, but his 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 garb that he is wearing is very similar. So it's very royal. It looks kind of like um, like was it Uncle Uncle. Joe, Uncle Charles, Uncle Rico, Uncle, Uncle Tom, <laughs> not <laughs> Uncle Tom, no, <laughs> Uncle Ruckus, no, um, yes, <laughs> Forrest Whitaker's character in Black Panther, very similar yeah, purple yeah. color. Yeah, we yeah. we know what you meant, but we still <laughs> wanted to. Think. I know, I know. It's like yes, there's the racist. Let's make fun of him. <laughs> I just think there's room for it. Like that sand that he used to to show him like his story to Sylvia and Loki. It looked just like the kind of stand that was used stylistically in Black Panther. And we know and we know that the Wakandans are already the most technologically advanced race in the 20th century. So if you give them another 10 centuries of development, like who on earth would be would would have who would figure out time travel or accidentally discover the multiverse? Like I Tony Stark it. did at a forest <laughs> <laughs> with a popsicle. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he didn't quite discover it. it Ant-Man de- definitely gave him a leg up. But uh, I think I, I really like that theory. It definitely is going to get me thinking about um, ways that they can somewhat, 
I, I know. I, I, I love anything to do with time travel. It's one of my favorite sort of scientific sort of. It's not even a trope. It's 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 something that could could be done. Maybe who knows? So I love any sort of conversation about it, and the fact that this is all be, based in dealing with time travel. He literally could be anyone. So I I love it. Yeah, he might not even be from Earth. Uh, I mean, I guess if he was lying, but he said he was from Earth. No, and canonically, Kang is from Earth. So yeah, I mean, he could not be, but like, but yeah, at least he said so, as much. But yeah, I don't know. I just think it was a cool idea that's that's been bouncing around in my head since episode six. So I would say let's move because I know there's a little bit more speculation and stuff that you guys want to talk about. Um, I do want to kind of talk a little bit about sort of the MVPs before we sort of wrap up the show with our conclusion. Um, so let's talk a little bit about sort of the MVPs. Who do you think sort of won this season? Um, I'll let y'all give a little more time to a little bit more speculation. I think there's some of something else you guys want to talk about uh, before we wrap up the show. So who do you think won this season one? MVP. I'll go first. Uh, I'll say, um, you know, there's a lot of great acting going on here. A lot of wonderful characters to love, but I always go back to Mobius. I mean, there's something very understated about Owen Wilson's performance that I love. And we, I, and it's cool to see a, an actor do something that's kind of for lack of a better term out of their wheelhouse and still bring it and actually do a great performance. I hope he gets like a, guest performance uh, award nomination for this because he was utterly fantastic as this kind of mentor slash big brother character to Loki. So uh, I'll give it to Owen Wilson. Wow. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Mine's going to have to go to Sophie D. Uh, Martinez. Martinoas uh, as Sylvie. I uh, I don't know. I can't spell her name. Yeah, she actually crushed it. Um, it was something nice that we all you know are somewhat used to and like like and like love Loki, especially with his uh, previous characters. And to have a Loki variant come in, still somewhat be similar to him, but more clever, just smarter and somewhat more skillful, still be able to sort of hold her own and with the writing sort of drive a whole different sort of story plot. It well, just kind of just story in general. Um, I love sort of watching her sort of like on screen. I think it was like really cool. And I really hope they, you know, watch more of her and other, other work. Blue, what you got? Yeah, I'm going to give it to the uh, composer, Natalie Holt. Uh, the more and more I thought about it, uh, the more and more I was just, Absolutely captivated by that score. Can't wait to see what else she does. Oh man, the score has been so good. Or was so good. That overall theme that you get in the credits, the bum, 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 bum. I've been singing to myself constantly since the, the series started. Um, for me, my MVP is going to be uh, old Loki. Some of you may refer to him as classic Loki. Um, but either way, this is the Loki that was played by Richard, is it Richard Grant? Yeah, Richard Grant. Um, he, I thought he was great. I really did. When we got the stinger at the end of episode four and we saw the collection of Lokis waiting to like telling them, uh, that he had to come with them. I saw the classic Loki outfit on an old man. I was like, that guy looks goofy as hell, but sure, let's do it. And then by the end of that, <laughs> by the end of episode five, he was the coolest, um, Maybe not quite as cool as Alligator Loki, but still, just his final his final standoff with Elias and him having that that kind of uh, 
like redemption moment for himself where he got to stand up and like use his powers in a really cool way before getting eaten alive by the consumer of existence. Uh, I thought he was, he was badass and got a way cooler send off than, mo- than a lot of characters get despite him only existing for about 45 minutes. Um, so yeah, definitely him. So let's uh, within us sort of wrapping up the show, I want to talk a little bit about conclusions. It sounds like everybody sort of liked, maybe even loved the actual sort of season. So I'm curious to kind of hear, you know, where do you think it sort of may go uh, along with um, things you may be looking forward to uh, in the future? Brian, what you got? Uh, yeah. I mean, I love Loki. Um, I think Disney plus continues to just spoil us with riches of the MCU, especially like since, we're just now getting back into having movie releases for MCU. It was, it's wonderful to also have this other format and medium to kind of explore these characters with. And they've done an amazing job with Loki, especially with being able to balance it a very complex individual story, but also this big overarching tale that might be the precipice for what, phase four and the future of the MCU becomes. Um, but I think it's a uh, pretty appropriate that we got some, we're, de- we're starting to deal with a lot of chaotic timelines and they're getting shows reshuffled because of some chaos in the world. So I think it's kind of apt and might give it the right feeling to have all this reshuffling done. If we're dealing with like just random points of time being out of place. Mocha, what you got? Yeah, I mean, this series took me by surprise in that I had no expectations of really kind of loving it. I had assumed from the get-go when the, when the Disney Plus series were announced that the Loki one seemed a little bit out of place and that I, ex- and I expected it to be the, the weakest of the three. And I couldn't have been more wrong. And I'm so happy that I was that wrong. Uh, it was a personal story about Loki and gave us a lot more depth into him as a character that I think really, really enlivens his role all throughout the previous movies that we've seen. And I think that doing my MCU rewatch when the next big Avengers movie comes out, is going to feel a little bit different because I'm going to have this new idea of who Loki is while I go through all of, you know, the first phase three, which was so deeply driven by his actions in almost every way. Um, so huge shout for that. I think that people should definitely, well, I mean, if you're an MCU fan, you probably already watched this. If you like MCU movies, but aren't sure you may have watched it, I absolutely encourage people to watch this show. In fact, if you don't want to watch any of the Disney Plus TV series, but you do plan on watching the movies, by all means, I feel like you have to watch Loki. Uh, Not only does it just set up the entirety of Phase 4 and possibly even Phase 5 from the domino effects of of what happens here, um, but it's just, it's going to give you another, like, it's going to wet your whistle for the crazy, weird, out of this world stuff that's going to be coming in all of the big movies, uh, moving forward. And I think that people need to, definitely need to t- dip their toes in and get used to that water before diving in head first, because shit's going to get, just get weirder, weirder and weirder in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, so yeah, people should definitely watch this show. Blue, what you got? Yeah, um, I I agree with everyone. Um, I was like, I was pumped when I had like a short week because that at work, like we had Monday off for July 4th and I was stoked because I'm like, yeah, I one less day bef- of work before Loki. Uh, no, I, I 
cannot recommend this enough, you know, especially if you're at all passing uh, in the Marvel, uh, you know, universe. Um, I think this was the first, like, fully completed Disney Plus Marvel show. Um, And so I'm kind of excited to see what's coming out because there's been less restrictions on filming um, for everything else that's coming out after this. And so being able to see creators tell a full story without their artwork being interrupted by, you know, a global pandemic. um, Hopefully we will see more complete television shows that's that set the stage for things to come. Uh, It also kind of bummed me up because uh, I was like really excited for both WandaVision and uh, Falcon and the winter soldier. Um, WandaVision had a, a crazy unique idea and I thought it was a great way to to start uh the Disney Plus experience. Uh I thought it did it was a great way to start. Uh and and it just it's that last little bit that, you know, the pandemic kind of wrecked. And I would have loved to have seen that you know, creative crews full fleshed out vision. Um no pun intended. Uh same thing goes with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You know, clearly there was there was sections that they had to rearrange, cut, rewrite, um, just because of circumstance. And yeah, Loki made me bummed. Like I wish we, could, I wish each one of these ended with a Jonathan Majors, Kang the Conqueror type reveal, setting the stage for for the next you know little bit. Like if we could have seen hints of this in Wandavision, or you know had a little bit more of a tie in with uh, where. Like why why the flag smashers smashers were the way they were and why Earth itself was you know kind of like a different place you know tie into to the environment um, yeah I just I don't know it it Loki did make me feel a little bit bummed um, so yeah I think what everybody said I'll definitely echo I'm just glad that we have you know and I and I hear you blew it it you know the Marvel TV has come a very long way um, and I'm really glad that we have something in which case it's really starting to try and ask a little bit more sort of deeper sort of questions similar to what the movies have been done and it's not just smashy smashy explosion beams light in the skies we're actually getting a little more content a little more action and sort of well-developed characters even though they may span over you know six seven eight episodes and we or we have something new so uh fully on board i'm really excited i really want to hear more and see more um of everything that they have uh, ready for us uh, and get on sort of Disney Plus for this. Like this is, you know, if this is their sort of model um, outside of like Premier Access stuff, I think it's something that they can be really successful with. So with that, we have been a Down in Front podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for joining. Brylin, where can people find more of your work on the interwebs? Uh, you can find me putting up a poll pretty soon to ask you if you ran into a variant of yourself, would you kiss yourself on Twitter at Brylin, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. You also find me posting mini movie and TV reviews and random stickers that I take photos of on the street and it's on Instagram at I am Bryland. And other than that, I am playing video games in my spare time. Sometimes I stream them. I, th- I thought you were thinking about another type of poll. So, oh no, the dancing polls I leave to other people. Ah, okay, okay, uh, okay. Where can people find more of your work on the interwebs? Yeah, well, you can find me on Twitter where I post uh, videos that I make with a little bit of creativity and a little bit of After Effects that answer Brian's question of exactly what would happen <laughs> if I met myself from an alternate universe. At Mook Mike Li, as Loki intended. 
Unfortunately, you cannot find me at Mocha Mike. The person who has that username is actually an evil variant of me from another dimension. Uh, and I haven't been able to find him because so I don't know which time, time stream he's in, but he's fucking everything up because the sacred timeline is the one where I'm supposed to have the Mocha Mike uh, handle. But I digress. Uh, you can find me at Mocha Mike on Instagram where I post my photography work, so definitely check me out there too. And Blue, what you got going for us? Yeah, you can find us at My News Music or My News Band and most major platforms. New music, eventually, uh, unless it gets pruned and banished into oblivion. Um, you can also find uh, Jesse Rand. Uh, he actually does, he has this YouTube channel where he reenacts his favorite movie scenes. Uh, the only one he's done, and he's uploaded it 47 times, uh, is the Michael Fassbender classic scene where he makes out with himself in Alien Covenant. No idea why he <laughs> likes it, but apparently, Bryland, this also satisfies the answer to your question and also satisfies Jesse when he makes out with himself. <laughs> Isn't Jesse also releasing a kickstarted uh, razor similar to the Manscaped called The Prune? <laughs> I hope so. I don't know. All I know is. I would absolutely pass Jesse's bender. Sure. <laughs> Check out more. We're working down at from podcast.com where we have our intros, our bios, lots of information of what we're actually doing. Uh, we are, are we going to be posting out some stuff that's going to be on Twitter at down in front pod which is our new Twitter handle. So check that out. Um, we're going to be on Instagram, we're on YouTube, which is about everywhere. So feel free to kind of let us know um, what you want to see. Um, thanks so much. I appreciate everybody's time. And we'll be back for another review very soon. Bye. See you soon. Wow. Wow.